Today on the Minook Move, we're going to look at the promise fulfilled in John the Baptist and his father, Zacharias. Hello and welcome to the Mimic Move podcast. Attention at the Hidden Places podcast. We're examining the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves what is happening here. And today, ladies and gentlemen, this is part five of our series on Luke chapter one. And uh, this has been, I've genuinely enjoyed this journey with you, Pastor, going through Luke. I, I've read through Luke many times over the years uh, for, uh, for pleasure and for class. And I don't think I've ever, even when I was in college, I don't think I did as deep a dive into Luke as I have in less several weeks with you. Yeah, it it literally has been line by line, and in some instances, <laughs> word by, by word. word. That's right. Uh, but I think if you've joined us for this journey, uh, um, you should have learned something. Yeah. We're all learning and growing, and uh, this has a lot to say about people, mm-hmm. but also a lot to apply to ourselves. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people read the Word of God, and they just think, Okay, that's those people, that's the context of it. Mm-hmm. And I get all that. But if there's no uh, redeemable lesson for us to mature and grow like Christ, then it's it's not the word of God. Exactly. So uh, so yeah, I've I've grown, I've read this <laughs> I don't know how many times. Yeah. Uh, and every single time something different jumps out at me. Yeah, absolutely. The word of God doesn't change, but we change. Exactly. We begin to recognize certain things in ourselves and it, you know, that's the reason why they call it a mirror. Uh, sometimes it's related as a mirror. Like we look into it and we see ourselves in a different way. That's right. I heard this great uh, illustration once that um, sometimes we look in a mirror and we're like, man, I'm dirty. Why something off? And we go like, well, how come we're not just clean automatically? Like, like there's always something growing in us. It's because if God let us see all the stuff in us, we would not continue this journey. And so come to the mirror daily. We go, oh, I think I missed the spot here or I didn't recognize the spot here. Yeah. And it's interesting that as humanity, we can look in the mirror as, as even young people. Mm. And we look great. We have no wrinkles, and yet we want to look different. Yeah. We want to look better. Mm-hmm. We want to look like this person or that person. Then you get older, and you're wishing that you could see the younger face in the mirror because <laughs> yeah. of the wrinkles and everything. But then you get to an age where you're like, mm, this is who I am. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I don't want to be the young person anymore. I don't want to have to go through all that again. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, as believers, we are... We are growing and maturing and becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And as we get the wrinkles of maturity in the faith, mm-hmm. that we don't long for yesteryear or yesterday, mm-hmm. but that we're always growing where we are and longing for the next day, yeah. the next moment with the Lord. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, look to the scriptures now because we got a good gentleman who uh, he's about to look at yesteryear and goes, man, I'm glad I've grown uh, here in a minute. Uh, we're in uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse uh, 57. Now, Luke, to this point, he's been following the traditional Hebrew style of writing where he's bouncing back and forth between Jesus' story and John's. And the structure has been meant to highlight the similarities between Jesus' story and John's story, uh, but also the differences. Uh, and this is key. This is, a, this is, a, this is genuinely a, a structure of, of Hebrew writing. And he's doing this in a very particular way. Again, he's writing to an individual who doesn't necessarily know about who Jesus is, does understanding Jewish culture, and he knows that these two figures, Jesus and John, are massive individuals. So he's being very intentional about what he says about them. Uh, so uh, we're getting to the portion now where we're getting to the the birth of John and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's jump into it, Pastor. 
Okay, we left off with the song of Mary, mm-hmm. and um, and where we left off in verse fifty six is Mary uh, remaining with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returning to her house. And where we left it last time was her house, meaning not Joseph, but her father's house. Right. And we covered the fact that we feel like in all interpretations of the scripture that Joseph did not know that she was pregnant until she returns. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we left. Uh, are we going 57 alone or 57 and 58? Let's do 57 58 together. Okay. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. All right. So the writing implies that Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives, they didn't necessarily know what was happening. She was mm-hmm. away, and perhaps she came back, and then they're like, oh, you're... You're pregnant. You're about to give birth. Surprise! And they're they're excited about it. They're they're excited about what's going on, um, because this is a joy situation. That's right. This is for them. They understand. This has been the we just talked about this in church last week. Uh, hope deferred makes heart sick, but when it's fulfilled, is a tree of life. They know that this is the tree of life for uh, for these for this loving couple, older couple, much older couple. That's right. And so there's a lot ticking on, um, but. Um, this is more, I have a question for you. This is more of an application uh, question rather than a direct discussion on this passage. Uh, but it does raise an interesting question of when you should and should not share with other individuals. Like Elizabeth and John and Zacharias, they, this took place and Elizabeth went to hiding immediately. And we're not really sure what's going on. Zacharias maybe stayed around, maybe didn't. Again, it's kind of one of those things like, I figure someone would be like, hey, where's your wife <laughs> over this time frame? But they didn't know. And sometimes there is a time frame where we don't need to necessarily share with people what God's doing inside of us. Mm-hmm. But then there is a time to do that. How do you wrestle with that? When do you go, all right, this is something I need to share with people, and this is where maybe I don't share with people because this is something birthing inside of me right now. Yeah, I, you know, with Elizabeth, uh, there is this uh, contextualization of this encounter that she has with Mary mm-hmm. and that it, this is divinely ordained by God. Mm-hmm that Elizabeth would go away, not just to go away to get away, but it was divinely orchestrated by God that she would go away and Mary would come with her because it would be a safe place for Mary. Right. Because she wouldn't be surrounded with with everybody. So because the Lord had spoke to both of these women mm-hmm. in very different ways, but both had had a word from the Lord that, uh, for one, what you have prayed, I have heard, and mm-hmm. I'm responding, and you're going to have a child right. in your elderly years. For the other, it's an angel saying, you're going to have the Son of God, uh, and you're a teenager. And so in the in this very different thing, so Elizabeth, we're not quite sure, but it does seem as if uh, she would catch away, some even believe because of her age, that mm-hmm. was that was something that, that, that uh, could have factored into that. Um, but ultimately, Zacharias couldn't share what was happening. Right. Because he didn't have a voice, he he couldn't share. With Elizabeth, it was it was it was much different. And so your question being, how do you know when? You know, especially as leaders, when we have um, when when we have a quote unquote audience. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that as we're speakers and they're the audience, right. but when we have an opportunity to share, there is this line that you have to this tightrope that you have to walk of. What is for me mm-hmm. and what is for everyone else? Right. And sometimes it's the same. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not. Right. 
because there are things that God puts inside of you that are to be shared for an appointed time. Mm. And I think that's why sometimes uh, people are guarded yeah. uh, and don't trust others uh, because they feel like, okay, this is something for me, and they don't know how to still trust people mm. and hold that in. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so instead of just guarding the word, they guard themselves against people mm. and they don't allow people to come close. Um, I know for me, there are seasons where I feel like God is speaking specific things to me. And then if God is speaking something to you and you're not sharing it with everybody, it's still going to come out of your life in some way. You may not be telling everybody what's going on inside of you, but what you're doing is manifesting what's happening inside of you. Right. It, whatever's going on inside of us, there's always fruit coming out of that mm-hmm. in our actions, in our reactions, in our responses. And and so uh, there are many times when, uh, just taking our personal example of the healing place, I know people think that I'm super transparent and all of that, and I am sometimes to a fault, but there is so much that I hold back mm-hmm. that I don't say. Right. Because I know it's not for everyone. Right. That it might just be for me. It might just be for... There are things that I've shared with you guys as a staff Mm -hmm. that I've not shared with everybody else. Yeah. There were things, even Sunday, um, after we were done um, and we do a debrief every Sunday as a staff, there were things that I shared with you guys in that debrief that I didn't share and haven't shared mm-hmm. uh, in the sanctuary to everybody. Not private stuff, but just stuff that God put on my heart about the greater body of Christ, right. even to an international point, right. um, that I didn't share. Why? Well, not that it's not relevant to everybody, but not everybody can not only not understand it mm-hmm. or comprehend it, but not receive it. Right. And that's where I think sometimes we get into trouble by sharing things that God actually wants us to share. Yeah. We just share it with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And then they don't receive it, and we get upset with them. Right. Yet it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They just could not receive. And Jesus even says, here's why I'm speaking to these people in parables. Mm. I don't speak to you guys in parables. Why? Because you're with me all the time. You understand. They don't understand, so I'm going to speak to them in parables. Mm-hmm. And so I would overlay even that example of Jesus shared certain things with the disciples that were with him every day that he didn't share with everybody else. Right. Instead, he put in story form, mm. right, Yeah. and and left a little mystery to it um, that the disciples got the, the behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Not everybody got to see Jesus in his transfiguration. Yeah. There's only three. Right. Why is that? Well, I don't know, but it was only shared with three. Right. That could have been because of the calling of God on their life after he ascends mm-hmm. uh, and the Holy Spirit is poured out and mm-hmm. what God had for them in that moment. It could have been his relationship with the three of them in that moment. We're not quite sure, but not everybody got to see his transfiguration. So right. even within the disciples, mm-hmm. we see that Jesus shared something or some things with some of them mm-hmm. and not with others. Right. And... And Jesus kind of gives us the, the, uh, the answer to that, I believe. I and the Father am one, mm. and I'll only do what I see the Father doing. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's, a, that's not just a discernment thing. That is a release from the Holy Spirit to be able to share right. that the Lord wants to do something in this scenario. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, 
uh, every week in a church service. I, I don't think it should be the same mm-hmm. because there are different seasons and different times and different people. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people are like, well, man, I, why didn't you share that on the online broadcast? <laughs> we hear that. <laughs> well, that, I didn't feel a release to do that. Right. But on campus, in that atmosphere, like we just had a Sunday where uh, where we had like an interruption, not a bad interruption, but like a divine interruption right in the middle. Right. And it was about like breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And it was literally out of my mouth. I was like, man, God, I feel like you want to say something right now to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so my prayer was speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Right. The moment I got listening out of my mouth, the music slows down without cue, mm-hmm. just slows down immediately. And Matt begins to now sing one part of the song about breakthrough, which I felt like God had already put on my heart, breakthrough. And he slows it down, and he's singing it almost just like one word slowly. And it was like breakthrough. And I was like, okay, I just – I mean, it just came out of my mouth, I-N-G, listening. Right. Wow. Breakthrough. Everybody sing breakthrough. And they're singing it real slow. I'm like, okay, this is the moment. Yeah. And I walked up and I was like, hey, if you need a breakthrough, come down right now. Right. And it was like, whoo. I mean, it was like all people were like waiting, it seemed like. Yeah. Well, next Sunday, we can't make that happen. Like right. we can't try to replicate that because it's in that moment. It's for that moment. So I, I think sometimes it has to do, it always has to do with discernment of the Holy Spirit and knowing what God is doing. But it it also is for certain moments and mm-hmm. for certain people right? and for not certain people. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, like there've been times where I've had projects I've been working on and it's something, and I, I say projects, things God's want me put on my heart to do. And I've opened my mouth and maybe I've shared with some other people and in their zeal, they're like, Oh man, I want to get behind that. And, and I, I get ahead of myself. I'm like, and I miss the timing sometimes. Mm. Or I go, they offer something up, and I go, okay, let's do that. And it's not what the Lord wanted. How many times have you had to go back and, oh, and fix, fix stuff this. with people? Yeah. Not necessarily the situation, yeah. but, but going to them and trying to explain to them how they weren't the right person for the right time, and mm. you weren't the right person for them at the right yeah. time. the right person, right thing, or like offering the right moment to do things with them. Right. And, uh, and again, that's, it, uh, that plays in all, even with these two, because I think part of Elizabeth's going away, and we've talked about this off, off air together, there are things that we're going to see take place in this chapter specifically that if, if she had been present the entire time before the birth, there would have been a, somebody else's agenda. In good faith, in mm-hmm. good willing, not right. trying to do anything malicious, but it's not God's will for something. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's the struggle for every leader, not just not just church leaders, parents, husbands, wives, you know, families. We have to be guarding what God's given us because there is a there is a divine timing for certain things. Yeah, Paul told Timothy, guard the trust, mm-hmm. and another version it says, guard the deposit that's been put inside of you. Mm-hmm. Guard it. Don't share it with everybody. Right. Guard it. Now, Paul didn't say lock it up in a vault and never. <laughs> he, he's basically he's telling him. Make sure you share this in the right context with the right people. Right. And to me, it's no different than our relationships. There are things that you share with Celeste that you don't even share with your extended family, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't share with your sister or your mother mm-hmm. or any of those people. Right. It is between the two of you. Yeah. Why? Well, number one, it's your business. Right. <laughs> number two, um, they 
don't have the context that you have living in the same household. Mm -hmm. And when you try to explain to other people other people's way of thinking, right. they can't grasp that. Exactly. And uh, I think that's why it's so important for us to understand in the family of God, the mm -hmm. kingdom of God, we're all, we're all brothers and sisters and we're all a body. But there are some that are closer than others that get information, but with that information comes responsibility. Mm. And I think that's that, a big word. Information comes responsibility. I think people, they're at the lack of a better term, they're so nosy. They just want, they just want to know stuff. <laughs> right. They don't understand that the some people don't understand the responsibility comes with knowing that stuff. That's right. That's right. And and um, you know there are people who want to be on the inside, but they have a zeal to be inside only to know something, not to be responsible for something. Mm -hmm. And to take that responsibility on is a whole other level. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to do somebody else's job until the responsibilities are explained to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can do that. Okay, well, here's what this entails. And right. when you begin to lay it out, it's like, mm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's part okay. of the job. That's why I didn't share it with you. you know, it's like, and, and I think that um, if we would treat our words and the things that God has put in our heart, the way that we would treat a scenario like that, mm -hmm. I think we would do a, a, a better service to ourselves and the kingdom of God right? and to other people. Because quite honestly, a lot of times we're, we are putting more weight and burden on people when mm. we share the wrong thing with them. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we're almost doing what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, yeah. heaping on them right. more. Exactly. And that's where discernment, and, and it doesn't mean that we're unkind. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, no, I'm not going to share that with you because you can't handle it. No, 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 no. You can control that narrative a little better than that. Yeah. Uh, by just not sharing it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was talking with Matt years ago and he was talking about when he was in the core, um, when they, him and Jenny had just got married and everything. And he had somebody talk to him and say, Hey, um, be careful when you go home, talk to your wife. Cause she's not here. She's not been in the field with you. She's not been through training. She can't handle the things you've seen. That's right. And he gave him this example. It's like, every time you go home, there's a tree, smack that tree, say, here, here's my burdens. Leave it on the tree, and you go inside. And just be present with your wife because yep. she doesn't need all that stuff just yet. Yeah, and the thing of it is our wives can handle how we're processing things mm -hmm. without us putting things on them. Yeah. I can process what I'm going through mm -hmm. without laying what I'm going through on top of my wife. Yeah. You almost create an offense for people whenever you do that. That's right. Which we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> We're in this stream right now of, yeah, of that. But, you know, that creates a whole broader context of even within just the natural relationship with a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. if, if you allow your parents to be in your marriage, then you've created an unhealthy culture and atmosphere for oh, your yeah. marriage. Sure. Because now other people's expectations are in on that, and they feel like they have the authority to make decisions for you, mm -hmm. not just with you. Right. No, no, no. I, I, love, I love my parents, but when I got married to Tanya, my parents went to the outer circle. I love them. That's not a knock on them. It is. It's just situation life. That's right. It's the and, season of life. And I love you. And um, I'm open to your advice, <laughs> but I'm not open to your need to know about my relationship mm -hmm. with my wife or how to raise my children. Yeah. Right? Right. Wow. 
Was that only two verses? That's just two and verses. And we thought we were going to do one, <laughs> <laughs> one of these. <laughs> All right, we're going to do... Uh, uh, we're going to jump into 59 through... I got 59 through 61, but if we need to break it up more, we can. Okay. Because uh, I feel like it's one of those days for us. <laughs> okay. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. Mm. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. Okay, so this is a cultural, certain sects of Judaism culturally on the eighth days when you circumcise a child. And sex, that S E C T S. Yes, sex. <laughs> but that's when you, uh, you uh, circumcise a child, but also you name a child. That's just that's a, right. certain groupings of them. Uh, but we have a bit of uh, controversy taking place. And this is what we were talking about earlier about uh, her going away was actually guarding themselves a bit. Why is it, are they making an ordeal about her going, my child's name is going to be John? That's not necessarily a weird name. No. I mean, it's not like they're going to call him Apple. Uh, <laughs> right. Certain celebrities have or something like that. But right. why, what is the deal about calling him John instead of Zacharias? Well, culturally names were kept within the family. So you didn't bring anything outside of, and especially being named after your father. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so their point here is there is no connection to the name John, mm-hmm. and so you can't do this. This is not our culture. Right. So they're trying to push culture, mm-hmm. a worldly religious culture, Right onto Zacharias and Elizabeth to name this child, but they had a word from the Lord, mm. which goes beyond culture. Right. It goes beyond any middle wall of separation. Mm-hmm. We believe, according to how Zacharias responded in the temple, that he had kind of the same thought process that these people had. Yeah. I don't want to name him John. That's mm-hmm. not the way we do it. Right. <laughs> like his name is supposed to be Zacharias. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to... When he gets of age, he's going to wear my garments. Right. He's going to do his priestly duties. Right. And and we can even overlay this into just our, our natural culture, especially here in America. I want my boy to be like me. Mm. And how many fathers and mothers have messed up their children yeah. with that way of thinking? Yeah. Trying to relive their own childhood right. through their child. Or fix their childhood through their child. That's right. And so many fathers... I don't even know if this fits here, but I just feel like I'm supposed to say it. Many fathers have not known what to do, especially with boys, sons, who weren't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, say, if I had a son, well, number one, I would have I would have looked at my childhood and said, that won't happen, mm-hmm. right? Number two, being in sports my whole life and being just, in on all sports <laughs> and and without me messing it all up, that trajectory was taking me to a certain place. Right. I can't predict where that place was, but it the trajectory was going to that place mm-hmm. of going beyond just high school and college athletics. Right. It would have been easy for me to overlay onto that son, but say that son is he doesn't go fishing with me. He doesn't get it. He doesn't go golfing with me. He doesn't get it. Yeah. He doesn't want to play baseball. He doesn't want to play soccer. Yeah. He wants to draw. He wants to paint. Mm-hmm. He wants to learn how to cook. 
he is, he leans toward things that that not only make me uncomfortable but don't fall into what I think. Mm-hmm. And so many fathers, because of that, instead of instead of taking those things and encouraging manhood into those things, mm-hmm. then you either get a couple of different responses. Let your mother raise you, or you just do it on your own, and I'm going to withdraw. Right. So I'm not going to be absent like my dad, but what I'm saying is I am going to be. I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to be here. Right. I'm not going to be fully present. Yeah. And I think what that had has fostered is it's created a culture for for uh, and I can just speak to young men because we're talking about John the Baptist and we're talking about culture is it is it has opened up another road to them to step outside actually their true identity and who God has created them to be mm-hmm. and and created a trail of brokenness mm-hmm. and and hurt and pain and rejection, mm-hmm. insecurity, um, and and again, not just in young boys, but girls too. Yeah, you know, just just how we push these things onto kids. Um, and Zacharias and Elizabeth were like, you know, we we have a word from the Lord. Yeah, and before they before they had the word about them having a child, the Bible's clear, they were righteous before God. Yeah which meant they had always done it God's way. Mm-hmm. And so they had a foundation of faith. And they get a word from the Lord that kind of contradicts culture mm-hmm. and says, you're going to name him this. And and so I, I, I just, um, one thing that stands out to me as well is that Elizabeth is quick to answer. Mm. There's no pause. Yeah. Like she didn't even have a conversation with him. Right. How many times do we have a conversation <laughs> with people about things that we know in our heart is right, mm-hmm. and yet we still have a conversation with people, and they almost talk us out of yeah. what we know to be true. You feel like you're trying to justify your decision, and they're trying just to dismantle that justification all the way through. Yep. Uh, I've talked to me a person that, that they've come to me like, hey, I want to do this, and they're just like, I don't want to hear the story like because you're, you're trying to justify it. If you, this is what it is. Cool. Let's do it. Now, if I get the word from the Lord for myself going, we sure about that? We'll have a conversation. <laughs> right. But if you say this is the Lord, let's roll with it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't contradict the word of God. <laughs> you know? But I think this also shows of maybe why Elizabeth went away. Mm. And I, I also think that maybe we can even look to Zacharias. Not only why was his mouth shut, but it appears, and we'll deal with this in just a moment, that he he also was, was deaf. Mm-hmm. So did the Lord shut him up so he couldn't talk himself out of what God said and he couldn't be talked out of it? Mm-hmm. Because there was nobody to talk to him about it, mm-hmm. nor could he talk to anyone else about it. Right. And I also think it's interesting that Elizabeth went away and Zacharias, it seems, is not away. Mm-hmm. Yet they both say the same thing. Yeah. You talk about unity in a marriage. That's what we call one accord. One accord, right. That God not only gave Zacharias the word in the temple, but he had already given Elizabeth the word when she was impregnated. Mm-hmm. 
And so they had the same word from the Lord, yet they weren't together in person. Mm -hmm. Yet when they came back together, they're both speaking the same thing. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that they're able to do that because there were no other voices to talk them out of it. Yeah. And it's super important for us, especially in the day we're living in. We read the Word of God. That's why it's so important for us to be tethered to the Word of God. Right. And know the truth of God's Word. Absolutely. Let me ask you, though, it, it kind of this is along the same lines because I heard an interesting conversation about this other day. What is the difference between doing what, what we're saying of, if you have a word from the Lord, roll with it and not, you know, allow people to talk out of it talk you out of it, but also seeking wise counsel. Because the Bible says seek wise counsel with That's certain right. things. So how do you find that balance of going, I'm going to somebody for wise counsel versus I'm going to somebody and they may or may not <laughs> agree with me. And they, you know, how do you receive that? Because some, sometimes wise counsel goes, all right, you're, you're going this direction, but you've missed something. So how do you balance that out when you hear from somebody, from a mentor, somebody going, you, you might be missing the boat on something. Yeah, well, wise counsel, number one, that mm -hmm. that someone that's trusted, someone that has the fruit mm -hmm. of that in their lives, someone that you know is not going to try to control you, Right. that it's, it's not about them. Mm -hmm. It's, um, again, um, I think a lot of people are trusting people from YouTube and trusting people from a distance rather than really knowing those people. By the way, we're on YouTube, but you can come to the United States <laughs> of Kingston Road and have coffee with us. He has a whole setup in his office to have coffee with us. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But, I mean, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of people are listening to advice from... from Personalities. Uh, That's right. Personalities. That's a great word. Personalities that just because they have a platform, somehow they're trusted. Mm -hmm. And that's not true in our culture. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a platform, that really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, It actually may mean the opposite, mm -hmm. is that you're going to have nothing of value to give me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking about trusted voices, trusted people, people who have a track record of character and integrity. Um, and And again, there are things that, are more weighty than others. Mm -hmm. So if I've got something real weighty, mm -hmm. and I believe I've got a word from the Lord to do it, I'm still going to go to trusted counsel. Sure. If it's less weighty, and I know it's the Lord, right. and me and Tanya are in one mind and one accord, and we're like, yeah, this is the Lord, then I'm probably not going to call 18 people yeah, yeah. to try to figure it out. Exactly. I don't have to do that every day. Right. <laughs> you know, there are things that the Lord leads us to do every single day. Yeah. But the more weighty things... You know, even when there's a confidence in what God has spoken to you, in the more weighty things, there is wisdom and a multitude of yeah. trusted counsel. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, the trust counsel also depends on, like, there's a level of relationship. You know, if there's something I feel like the Lord's going to put on my heart, you know, and it's there, I'm like, man, I'm questioning some stuff. I might go and holler at Dr. Michael Brown. By the way, if you want to be on the show, let us know. <laughs> but I'm going to trust your word. He's got a few things He's going got on, to, right? I'm going to trust you and Matt over Michael Brown. Right. As much as I respect the man, I appreciate what he teaches and everything he does, I respect you and, and, and Matt because you guys are present. Mm -hmm. You've walked me through things. You've seen things. You know how I see things. And I know y'all's track record because we have relationship. Right. I've heard the stories of, of you know, pre-car crash you and Tanya and going to church and then getting out and going to 
the, uh, the 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 drug dens and preaching the gospel right away, like within hours, and then trashing everything at your house. I've seen your life. I've heard the stories from your previous youth group because I just happened to go to school with them. Yeah. I've heard these things. I know you. That so, I didn't know. Yeah, you didn't know. But we, I have a track record with you, so right. that's why you become Trusted World Council. It's not just a, well, this is a celebrity. It's on television that's, you know, he's got all this stuff. Yeah, there's weight to that, but what's the investment in you? Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, Elizabeth recognizes that too. These, mm-hmm. these are, uh, these are people, neighbors and relatives mm-hmm. is what it says. So these are, just aren't people. Yeah, yeah. These are neighbors and relatives who are like, look, it, like we don't even have this name in our family. And I think we forget that it's not just neighbors, but right. it says relatives. Yeah. This is family. But Elizabeth is going back to, here's what the Lord said to my husband and I, mm. again, you guys are out here. We love you, right? But you're out here. This is what the Lord has spoken to us. Word. And no, he shall be called John. No hesitation in her, mm. like zero hesitation. And then it says, <laughs> "But they said to her, <laughs> like she's just like straight up, right? No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one uh, among your relatives who is called by this name, right? And so, what does the crowd do?" When they don't hear what they want to hear. They go to somebody else. They think we'll give them the answer they want. Verse 62. <laughs> so they made signs to his father what he would have ca- have him called. Making signs to him. Why? Because he can't speak. But this is where we get our reference even going back to when when he's afflicted in the temple mm. of the the very strong possibility that he can't hear as well. Right. So they're making signs to his father. Some say gestures. They're making gestures to to the father. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Awesome. So this is a really cool moment for me because um, as someone who's worked with teenagers, not just in the church, but just families, period, and the public sector at schools and stuff. I'm excited to see parents who go, this is the word of the Lord, and we're going to operate together on this. Mom said, this is what God said. Dad said, no, this is really what God said. We're going to do this. They're declaring together his name is John. They're not taking cultural references. They That's go, right. They're like, thanks, Mom and Dad, appreciate you, but this is what God said. Yep. They're not taking other people. This is, this is what the Lord said. I think if more families did this and they went this is what the, obviously trust in the lord trust in your you know wise counsel stuff like that you know the lord did not tell you to sacrifice a cat in the front yard but if he says his name is john then his name needs to be john and he needs not to be any wavering and this is really cool that dad now is putting his proverbial foot down his name is john i wish i'm gonna get on this is a soapbox for me <laughs> i try not to well go ahead i, I just I this guess, is where we discuss the scriptures line by line. We have a conversation. There is power in a father going, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. This is what we're going to do as a family. Say that to the camera. <laughs> Fathers need to step their foot down and mm. go, this is what God says. Why is that a soapbox for you? Because I've seen it so often where it's not. And um, What about someone, your own life? Yeah. Well, I was about to say, with my own life, I didn't have a dad who said that, who put his foot down and says, this is what the Lord says. And, uh, but you love your dad. I do. I love Absolutely. my dad. I appreciate um, 
aspects of my stepfather, but he didn't step his foot down and say this to the Lord. He went a different direction. Yeah. He did things that he shouldn't have done. That's right. He was the father who goes, oh, you're not manly enough, and threw me to the side. Literally. Sure. <laughs> Literally did that. He said, here's your pansy son, and threw me to my mom. Yeah. And fortunately, my mom said, my son needs men in his life. And so there were people at the healing place in other places. Yep. And if more men did that, I wouldn't have struggled with some things as a kid. Sure. And there wouldn't be other kids I see struggling with the same things. Yeah. That's the reason why I do what I do. So I'm like, you just need a dude that goes, hey, man, I love you. <laughs> I yeah. care about you. We can do this. And if more families operate in this way, it would be different. We would see a different world. We wouldn't see kids who are questioning everything. I mean everything, not in a bad way, not in a, not in a, you know. There's it's natural for kids to question things, but I mean their core being, not knowing, yeah, not knowing the word, not knowing. Mm-hmm. It's that judges too. Mm. The generation died, and the next generation did not know mm-hmm. not only the works of God, but they did not know God. Yeah. Again, I I don't I don't think that our younger generation now are necessarily asking out of rebellion now. Their actions may be rebellious, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're asking out of rebellion. They don't know. Yeah. And what I've been challenged with lately is uh, from Kings with Josiah, where he, he's just doing his thing. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He served God like his fathers did. But this is after a time frame where his fathers had not been serving the Lord. And he goes, hey, go to the temple. And they find in the temple the law. And he's like, what's this? And they're like, oh. Yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And he's like, what? He goes, this is what God says we should be doing, and we haven't been? And he was a kid. Yeah. He was a child. And he's like, <laughs> let's do this. Let's get on this thing. So he starts taking out the high places. That's he restores right. the temple. There's all this sort of stuff. And God says, I've already cast judgment on the land, but because of your faithfulness, your generation will go through okay. Yep. And if we are getting to a point where if fathers don't step in and put their foot down so that his name is John, I'm scared that a couple next generations, God's going to say, I'm casting judgment. And there may be a kid who goes, I found something in the temple. I need to do something with this. Yep. And his generation will be okay, but I don't want him to have to worry about that. Yep. And it takes men stepping down going, his name is John. In cooperation with the wife yep. as a unit in one accord. Yep. Can you imagine if Elizabeth would have said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we don't have John in the family. Yeah, yeah. His name's Zacharias. And then they come back to dad and say, well, Elizabeth named him Zacharias. Right. Can you imagine the scenario now that has happened? Mm. And we may not even get what's after that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is it is very telling in this scripture. We are talking about the forerunner of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we all know now we as believers are the forerunners of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you said it clearly. Where are the spiritual fathers? Mm-hmm. Where are the spiritual fathers? Yeah. And not just spiritual fathers. Fathers. Yes. Who are actually spiritual. But fathers being spiritual. That's right. And and I think that what we have, and it probably leans, I'm probably the end of my quote unquote generation, generation X. No. Am I Gen X? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm I think I'm at the end of 
boomer maybe and the and the top side of X, I mm -hmm. think. Um my generation was really the first latchkey mm -hmm. kid. Um my generation was the first generation that was raised not just with TV, but on TV, mm -hmm. you know, by TV. My generation was the first generation, albeit Texas Instrument Calculator, but handheld <laughs> device, yeah. right? My generation was the first one to, to almost have someone or something else raising you. Mm -hmm. And with that, there becomes this quality of resistance to authority, you know, um, I know better. Mm -hmm. um, I've raised myself, mm -hmm. right? Uh, dependency on me, an orphan spirit, but yet I'm not an orphan. Right. Right. Defensive, hold what's mine, take what's mine, just kind of that whole process. And then the fruit of that then becomes kind of where we've gone. Mm -hmm. And because of the the misdirection abuses mm. and just not knowing of the generation before me, right? Uh, even the religious stuff before me, the generation before me, um, some of that was not a genuine love for Jesus. Mm -hmm. It was religion. Yeah. And it was the the underbelly of religion. Mm -hmm. But then my generation is using that as an excuse mm -hmm. not to live for God now, yeah. not to be in church, not to be in. Because quite honestly, we can talk about the young people all we want, but my generation, you talk about, I would say, 45 to 60, mm -hmm. we may be the most unchurched yeah. out of all of them. Because some of us were in and out some of us never were in mm. and got in. And then some of those even got back out. Right. And, and my generation is going, well, the boomers are, you know, they're doing their thing and I don't want to pick up this mantle of leadership. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do my thing. And it's left a void. It's, it's left a vacuum of leadership, spiritual leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that because of that, it's almost like looking to a younger generation to kind of lead, not that they can't lead, but God still has a plan for like this this generation that's kind of holding between mm -hmm. this this chasm. And my generation, I think, has failed. My age group, we have failed in many ways. Hmm. And I don't think some I don't think some of it's been intentional. I think some of it's been I don't know how to do this. Yeah, they didn't teach me. Right. Like I didn't have a father's. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm afraid to have a son mm. or a daughter because I didn't have that, so I'm afraid I'm gonna mess them up. Right. And it's the whole, it's the whole parenting thing, just in the spiritual practicality. Yeah. yeah. Of I'm not gonna know what to do with this baby. And <laughs> da 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 da. And so I don't know what to do. Love. Love, 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 love your baby. Love your child. Love, love. Raise them up. Mm. Not from where you were, but from here up. Right. Don't misdirect them away from God like the previous generation did. Mm. And I'm not saying all of them. This isn't a this isn't a sweeping generality. 
I'm just saying that but there, it was a pattern that yeah there was a pattern and then you've got my generation now and actually right now my age group is the almost the dominant in getting out of ministry mm. out of pastoring yeah off the mission field my age group mm. which you wouldn't think that but that's the case more people my age more pastors my age are ending up in a in a mop closet in between services, mm -hmm. having an anxiety and panic attack right. because they're not going to be able to take a $10,000 offering to pay the bills that week. Right. Guys my age are, are, are ending up uh, back out into the world doing things that we shouldn't be doing but still trying to put a religious face on it because mm -hmm. we haven't been true and and real with where we're at and we're holding on to our offenses and our disappointments and how everything didn't turn it out the way that we thought it would and I've given my life to this and I've you know I've served Jesus and I've done this and and why am I not getting this and why am I not getting this and why am I not getting this and we're becoming like Hezekiah give me 15 more years but I don't care about those that are behind me mm -hmm. and it's crazy it's just crazy, and I so appreciate. And again, man, this has turned into a little <laughs> bit longer. And he asked for a writing tablet. What did they say in the Old Testament, the minor prophet? Write it down. Make it plain. Write it on tablets. Write the vision down. Why? Because it's for an appointed time, mm -hmm. right? His name is John. So they all marveled, and I love verse 64 immediately his mouth was open when he wrote it. And look, I'm not trying to read something into this, but here's what it, this God put this in my heart mm -hmm. when I read something like this. Write it down. Write it down. Yeah. Don't speak it first. Write it down. Because when you write it, you make it real. Mm -hmm. And when it becomes real, it becomes a part of who you are and it gets in your heart. Right. When it gets in your heart, then you can speak it out. You know, that's why I always try to write things down, not not just type them. Mm -hmm. Write them down. You know, last, uh, you know, lately writing down sermons has been a thing for me. Right. And it's this thing right here. It's like, it's like you write it down and it's like you're actually taking a step with what God has spoken to you. You're actually taking a step to make it real. Mm -hmm. You're putting yourself in accountability. He's accountable because he's not just writing his name as John to himself. Right. This is in front of everybody. Yeah. He is putting it in stone. Mm -hmm. We are not listening to everybody else. We have a word from the Lord. I've been shut up for nine months. <laughs> She's been shut up for almost nine months. We're back together again. This child is going to be a forerunner for the Christ, for the Messiah. We are not going to shoulder him mm. with, the, with the garments of the priesthood that would not be God. Right. He would turn out like Eli. Mm. Man, that's a but I, he's a Samuel. Yeah, that's a great way of illustrating that with Eli and Samuel. Like I'm gonna put my garments on top of him, and guess what? Because that's not what his. They try to put Saul's armor on David. Mm -hmm. Nope, it's not gonna fit. Right. It's not gonna fit. That's not his mantle. That's not his anointing. God has set him apart. And because Zacharias does this, he breaks any generational pattern that would be put into place of religion, pharisaical, Sadducee, whatever you want to call it, of, of bondage upon this child. He puts no bondage on him. 
He's actually freeing himself and his son simultaneously by writing this down. It's like he's releasing his son, eight days old. Yeah. <laughs> and he's removing every bit of bondage that his father carried mm-hmm. is gone. Right. And Zacharias is saying, I'm going to raise him for the Lord, yeah. not for myself. He's not going to carry the weight and the burden of me. Right. And I'm not going to carry it anymore. Immediately, his mouth was opened. Mm. And I think it's interesting. His tongue loosed. Yeah. So not only his mouth opened, his tongue loosed, which means now he can speak. And he spoke, praising God. And every time I read this, his mouth was opened, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. (laughs) No root of bitterness. Because of nine months of silence. We're n- it's not even recorded that he was mad at God because he was silent for nine months. Right. He, he opens his mouth and he's going, man, God cursed me and God did this. No, no, no. He's like, what God told me was true. I'm writing it down. Yeah. I'm making it real. And when he wrote it down, his mouth was open. Then fear came on all who dwelt. That word fear, mm. not being afraid like he was in the temple. Right. But this is the fear of the Lord came on all who dwelt around them, and all these things were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea, and all those things, uh, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, "What kind of child would this be?" And the hand of the Lord was with him. Man, it's amazing how things shake when God's people go. We're gonna do what He says. I'm telling you, how many burdens have put, been put on families because mom and dad were not in one mind and one accord? Yeah. Mom was saying one thing, dad was saying another thing. Mm-hmm. And you can go all the way back, and you can go all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Mom was speaking one thing, dad was speaking another. Yeah. Dad liked the boy who was athletic and loved to hunt. He didn't so much like the other one. Yeah. Mama, you raised him in the kitchen. Mm. And therefore, mom schemes against dad. Dad's dad's being blinded at this time physically, so he doesn't even know what's going on. Right. And the two boys are pitted against one another, which sets them on a journey of decades of hate, anger, frustration, and brokenness for both of them. Yeah. Until one has a wrestling match. With the angel of the Lord. Yeah. He says, What is your name? My name is Jacob. Liar, supplanter. You've said, Well, this is your moment of repentance. Yeah. You'll never be the same. Your name shall be Israel. Mm. His name is John. Yeah. And what does Jacob do? Keep running? Nope. He turns around. Mm-hmm. He goes back and faces what he had never wanted to face because he knew his brother was going to kill him, but his brother sees a limp. Mm. And because of that, the brother's response to him wasn't what the brother thought. Yeah. Because he was willing to do what God said. Mm. So powerful, man. (laughs) So powerful. Good stuff. I don't even know how long this was, but... I don't know either. We'll find out later. But uh, I want to know from you guys, how has this uh, challenged you? How has it encouraged you? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Did you cry? A little bit. I didn't cry. <laughs> I'm mad enough to say I cried. Uh, so I think I may have cried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But how can we encourage you guys? Let us know. MediaHub at THBStreetPort.com or check out the Facebook page or leave comments on the YouTube video. It actually helps 
with the algorithm getting things out if you guys comment and interact on YouTube. So until next time, have a great week. <laughs>